0: Uh... <laughs>
1: And welcome to the JLA Cast, a podcast in which we explore life in the time of Grant Morrison across the DC Universe and beyond. My name's John, and I'm the writer and creator of
0: Afterlife Inc. And I'm PJ, and I'm very tired. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back, baby. He's back, everybody. Woo! <laughs> I've saved John from having to panic fill dead air. Uh, we should we should say
1: also that like it's not as if like now. You, you it's not like you've just completed the baby phase of like rearing a child it's not like it's not like uh your your little lad has now graduated from university no he, you, he has he's buying his first house and <laughs> you know we're very proud of him he's done really well he's got he's made you very yeah. and it's incredible pj because there's, there's nary a hint of gray in your
0: beard i don't know how you do well this. i mean there was a lot of it before he turned up to be honest but yeah no my uh, my son that we've named the Flash. He's is, is doing really well. Um, he's, he's yeah, he's... And I want to thank uh, John for filling space while I went and learned how to be a parent a lot earlier than I was uh, originally planning to. And uh, everyone who sort of reached out and, and sent well wishes and stuff is very much appreciated. But yeah, the little man's doing really well. Um, he I love him so much. He is brilliant. And I can't wait to get him into JLA.
1: And I, I think, uh, speaking on behalf of... Uh, every listener to the JLA Cas PJ, I think, I think we can all say we're very happy to welcome Kyle Barry Morrison Montgomery <laughs> into the world.
0: Uh, <laughs> we're, we're lucky to have him. <laughs> Kyle Wally Morrison Montgomery.
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah, I went, oh, I went to the wrong flash. What's wrong with What's wrong with me? Honestly. Mm.
0: Well, the, the reason I brought up
1: that, like, um, obviously, your little lad hasn't graduated from university yet is, is the fact that not only have you come back to do you know the show but you are still raising a child so like pj is is packing like 400 percent of life into the usual time frame at the moment so be kind everyone is what i'm saying
0: yeah i i very much still have uh well, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted because I'm awake all the time. And I am I also still seem to very much have the, the baby brain thing is real. You know, it takes up a lot of your brain, and then the other stuff you want to talk about just goes. So uh, don't expect too many, um, particularly, I can't even remember words now, you know, very clever looking at comics. No. That's what maybe. you should not expect. Well, maybe it's worked out quite well because. Um,
1: maybe this little storyline we've landed on is a little gentler perhaps
0: it is it is when i reread it last night um obviously we're gonna, we'll get to it in a bit but i did think i don't know how much i have to say about this actually yeah this could be like
1: um this is like uh uh it, 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 it's a, it's a jla cast but with um like trainer wheels on like stabilizers on the side of a bike just to help us ease, get going again
0: ease us back in because i think This is a three-issue series, and I think the thing we said we'd do after this is definitely going to be a little bit more – there's going to be more to talk about. Yeah. Yes, quite. That's like strap
1: in for a while, isn't it? Yeah. That one, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's much to report from my end. You know, I think think PJ's done all the big achievements.
0: Uh, I mean – Someone's writing a Toxic Crusaders video game. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's,
1: that's you know, that's, that's a little something. It's not, it's not exactly the miracle of the miracle of birth, but
0: um, you know, I, I'm I'm quite proud of it. <laughs> it's, it's, that has been quite fun. Like, just, I'm so jealous that you have had. I know you weren't there, but that you had something at PAX. Mm. It has been a dream of mine to go to PAX for oh. a good fifteen years now. I'd love to visit one of the many. PAX shows they do. I love Penny Arcade. I love Acquisitions Incorporated, their D&D live show. And I'd love to just be able to go to a PAX in any capacity. So the fact you had something at a PAX, I I'm, oh, I love it. Brilliant.
1: You see, this is, this is it, PJ. Like, I feel that we should probably record a podcast together or something because uh, clearly we have very similar tastes because, <laughs> yeah, like... I, you know, Acquisitions Incorporated was like that was like my big intro to just kind of big, stupid D&D games, and yeah. I loved it. So, and, and so much of the media I've consumed over the years online is kind of centered around the Seattle crowd like all those kind of creators and weird internet personalities that came
0: that just all seem to be living in close proximity. proximity. It, so, yeah, it's even Acquisitions Incorporated that got me into Critical Role because I thought. When I first heard about Critical Role, it was quite far in already. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I have time to watch things that are like three, four hours long on a weekly basis. Yeah. And then Matt Mercer guest starred on an episode of The C Team, the weekly acquisitions incorporated show they did for a while. And I was like, who's this guy? He's really cool. Oh, man, I'm gonna have to check out Critical Role now. (laughs) You see, it's weird. Like, Critical Role for me is still a bit of
1: a, uh, a blind spot. Oh, I like, love
0: it. I think it's amazing.
1: I know it's kind of there waiting for me, but I think it's got to this point where I'm kind of like, I'm a little daunted by just how big it is now.
0: Yeah, I've been watching it now for about five years and I'm still three months behind where they are now. Good grief. Wow.
1: One of the uh, one of the coolest things was, um, uh, again, as as an Ack Inc. fan, and this is just me blowing my own trumpet now, but again... I, I would love to go to PAX one day. And maybe you and me, PJ, one day we'll make a road trip uh, across, okay, yeah. a, across Sorry, the ocean. I, I
0: don't normally swear on the JLA cast, but baby <laughs> brain. But yeah, we're doing it.
1: <laughs> and we'll go across the ocean to PAX. And anyway, my point is, I uh, they the RetroWare publisher team had this really cool booth. They had uh, the Toxic Crusaders game set up so people could play it. Uh, and they posted uh, um, Oskin Creed popped by the uh popped by the booth and was playing Toxic Crusaders and for me this was like this crazy kind of like overlap where I'm like oh my god a guy from acquisitions incorporated is playing a game i wrote <laughs> and i was like that's that's kind of cool that's kind of cool that's awesome uh we also PJ it's not quite as glamorous but we went to our first uh, convention of the year
0: Ah, oh, the the big punch crew last weekend, yes.
1: Yes, this is like the con report from we went to MegaCon live at the NEC in Birmingham. Ooh. And gotta say, not 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 crazy good. Oh. That's yeah, a shame. Bit of a shame really. The um I think we were luckier I feel like I'm a roving reporter now giving an update, but we were I think luckier than most, given okay. our given our location. But It was a relatively small hall, and they had – we were kind of like in the dealer area, if you will. And then they had both – this is weird, actually. They had both an artist alley and a comic village Oh, okay. as two separate areas, which I thought was quite interesting. But the comic village, which, of course, is for anyone listening who's not familiar with the UK convention scene, that was very much where, like, PJ and I – hour ilk <laughs> would be for years like that was kind of like the the independent comic area yeah uh and and it really was at this show just one little corner uh kind of boxed boxed in oh okay it, it was a really weird layout like they directed like a bunch of um you know like those dividing walls like the backs of booths and stuff and it created I don't know what their intent was but it created this odd effect where the comic village was like this weird little labyrinth just kind of boxed off from the rest of the show. Hmm. And, like, apparently we weren't in it, so we were lucky, but apparently just nobody was going in.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. That's a shame.
1: It's a real shame. Like, it, it wasn't the best attended show anyway, but we, I spoke to a few people, and it was, like, a bit of a horror show over in, like, the pure comics area. Like, I think one anecdotally one lady said she sold like one book all weekend and was was just like really upset you know and of course people have traveled quite far from far away to to attend this show so yeah not 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 the best show we've, we've ever done
0: that's a shame that is a real shame i feel like that at the moment the independent creators in the uk the majority of them are really struggling at conventions and and online and it's just getting really hard to get your stuff out there and, and get it sold it seems.
1: I I agree. I think um yeah, I think I think it's pretty rough out there to be honest. I think um post uh the UK has never had the UK just doesn't have a massive comics industry anyway. Hmm. Um it doesn't have the infrastructure which America or Europe does when it when it comes to publishing books, uh publishing comics and so it's very indie. And you know, from a decade ago, the the landscape of conventions has changed tremendously. I mean, really, we're we're down now to Thought Bubble, which is like the the kind of very creator-owned, very yeah. art-focused one, uh, and um, you know, maybe like a bunch of like mid-level standalone shows. I'm thinking like Nottingham Comic Con, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and then at the far end you've got the MCM group which is run by now run by Pop, who i think as <laughs> pretty much everyone is agreeing are, are very difficult to deal with and don't seem to care much about uk creators it's uh, it's a very bizarre uh, it's a very bizarre approach from like i'm you know you're left wondering like why buy the uk's biggest show if you don't have and if you don't care at all about these, these, this, this independent UK community, it's very yeah, bizarre.
0: Well, it, I feel like the the MCMs, the shows like that these days, you pay so much for a table, and it's very, un- and then when you factor in travel and hotel and everything, it's very unlikely you're going to recoup your costs of those. I feel like at the moment, for the independent creator, it's thought bubble is the only one really where you can pretty much guarantee you'll do okay. Mm. And one convention a year is not enough <laughs> to make a living off.
1: Well, no, and and you know we're we're in a slightly different situation at Big Punch in, in that, ironically enough, when we go to MCM London, if we can get in, which is like mm. which is now like a whole other affair, yeah, you know, yeah. it feels like you're putting your, you know, might as well just flip a coin. Are we going to get a table or not? Um, we do well. We're very lucky. We we're, we're in this weird position where our stuff seems to do well at an MCM show, but you would go mad. If you had to hang an entire business or a livelihood or a hobby or a passion on the whims of MCM, yes, because we were chatting to people at Megacon Live and people just going like, like we met a really nice guy called Damien, an artist. He was saying like he's in a he's in a group with like say ninety various independent artists in the UK, and they said like two people got tables at MCM.
0: Really? Two. Oh,
1: God. And this is is the bizarre situation where, you know, um, I'm I'm not not naming names, but like speaking to a lot of creators, friends of PJ and mine, like speaking in private and going like, did you get in? Did you get in? Did you get in? And across the board, people are like, nope, nope, didn't happen, got rejected, no real reason why. And you could say that like, well, no one's entitled to a table. No one deserves a table. Don't assume you're going to get a table, but, You've got to look at it. It's like nearly a decade. We had a pretty good thing going with the organizers and they seem to know the community and uh and then change of ownership and now it's like it's just like, oh, what's your credentials? Why why do you deserve a table? It's like, oh, you know, I've been making I've been making comics in the UK for like a decade or so. It's like, okay, have you worked for Marvel or DC? Um, no. no. And they're like, okay, well you're out then. Yeah. It's really, it's really crass. Like it's yeah. really Yeah.
0: It's the uh, the the big corporations trying to get hold of it and they're just interested in the money side and if you're not a big name money drawer they they don't really care
1: I think that's it I I mean we we had a bizarre situation where um we last time last couple of times we tried well we got we we've had some success getting in and we've also had about the same amount of failures and we had I think the last time we got rejected they were like, Oh, don't worry. You yeah, don't worry if you didn't get into the Artist's Alley, formerly the Comics Village. Um, just um, just, just buy a dealer table. Now, admittedly, a dealer table costs about four times as much. But we were like, okay, okay, how do we go about doing that? We'll talk to the dealer team. Okay, I'm going to go talk to the dealer team. Oh, um, we sold out six months ago. Uh, uh, okay, so <laughs> I guess I'm just not coming to this show now. And... This time around, we were like, okay, we're going to, you know, hedge our bets. We'll contact the dealer team like eight months in advance, and we'll also apply for an artist alley table, and we'll see what happens, you know. And then the the dealer team were like, cool, 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 yeah, just you know, fill out uh, uh, an expression of interest form, and we'll get back to you. Cool, cool, cool. And then 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 we just like they go, oh yeah, uh, you didn't get in. Well what do you mean we didn't get in? Are you saying the dealer area is curated as well? Hmm. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we just kind of looked at your stuff and your application wasn't successful. It's like, I didn't think we'd made an application. You just said an expression of interest. Um, So yeah, and, and then, you know, as it happens, we were then, you know, God knows why, we were lucky enough to get a table in the artist's Galley this time around, yeah. you know. This is after being rejected before. So we're in now. I'm very happy. I'm not complaining about that. But like... If you if you were trying to run an independent business and you're like God, you know I really I'm really looking forward to MCM London, you know that's a big 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 biz big earner for us or whatever. That's how we keep the lights on at home. And then you can't even just buy a dealer table. Mm-hmm. Like how are you sp- and then you can guarantee there's going to be like 400 scans just selling knockoff Pikachu plushies.
0: Yeah, yeah, and fan art.
1: Oh my God! Oh yeah. Well, that's a discussion for another day. But like. Yeah, it's the Wild West now when it comes to just like unlicensed content now. That yeah. show is. it's crazy. <laughs> Anyhow, that's completely off topic. That's me. That's me ranting about uh, about the UK convention circuit, which is why we're not here to talk about that. I apologize.
0: That's a different podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's um, that's um, the JLA Cask After Hours where yeah, 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 <laughs> we break out the whiskey and
0: just kind of moan. Um, but PJ, sorry about that. What are we here to talk about? Well, uh this week we're talking about issue 1 of a three issue mini series uh that's taking us back in time somewhat to the heady days of of early Morris and JLA the second trade uh American Dreams. Uh yes, well this
1: is I want to say this is January 1998. Which kind of lines up with uh, the end of *Rock of Ages*. That makes sense. Although, who's to say it wasn't? I sometimes the cover dates on these old issues are a little, a little screwy because this may have been written like or
0: prepared a few months earlier. I but... think for cover date, I might be wrong, but I, I believe the cover date. So here on the cover, yeah, it says Jan '98, is the month you're supposed to take the comic. Off the shelves. Oh, interesting. So this would have been released in December 97. Which is very much just kind
1: of middle of Rock of Ages. Yeah. Although, of course, as we'll get into, does that entire No, that does line up with Electric Blue Superman. I was getting confused for a minute.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because we're... Oh, yeah, we, we, we're going to have... Uh, a little look back at the greatest Superman of all time. <laughs> he's he's back. We haven't forgotten him completely. Um, but we are looking at issue one of JLA, Paradise Lost, which is a series I didn't even know existed until we started doing this podcast, and it sort of fills in the gaps of t- as to what Zauriel was up to in between his first appearance in JLA and him officially joining the team in Strength in Numbers. And and a seagull in the background, apparently. Yeah, they're uh, they're just flying around doing seagull stuff outside my, my window. Or, or
1: was it, PJ, a fallen angel that happens to sound like a seagull? Oh, a poor angel. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> but yes, yes, indeed. Um, this is uh, JLA Paradise Lost, Issue 1, Someone to Watch Over Me, by
0: Mark Miller and Ariel Olivetti. Yeah, um... Miller, it makes sense that he would have done this book. He, this was the point where he and Morrison were quite tight and they'd worked together a lot. So Miller being... And he co-wrote the Secret Origins story, I believe, and also obviously wrote that fill in issue with Amazon. Still saying it that way. <laughs> well, I, I don't really know what other way you say it. Exactly, Peter. exactly. Um, yeah, because yeah.
1: uh, the JLA Secret Files and Origins, which Miller co- Mil- co-wrote, co was September ninety seven. Yeah. So this is, as you say, like that peak period where everybody seemed to be getting on, and uh, the two <laughs> of them were quite close still. Yeah. Yeah. And I am desperately just trying to find. I'm looking at my magic spread spreadsheet here. Aztec. Here we go. Ah, no, there's a gap in my spreadsheet. I was trying to work out when Aztec was coming out. Uh, the series that is. Aztec
0: would have finished. By the start of Rock of Ages, because that's where Aztec's story continued. Aztec issue 10 finishes, and then the next month Aztec is in JLA. So Aztec would have finished by the time Paradise Lost was coming out. Around the same time, issue 1 may have been around the same time as, well, as Morrison starts on JLA and they do the secret files, maybe? Yeah. This is definitely that peak period where, like,
1: I kind of get the vibe that, like, Mark Miller, at this point with DC, wasn't quite like an A-lister. No. But was
0: consistently doing, I guess, kind of like good work for them. Well, I think this would have also been just off the back of Morrison and Miller doing Scroll Kill Crew together at Marvel, wouldn't it? Oh, interesting. So I want to yeah. say that was like 96.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the... It's interesting because was i'm trying to guess now because it seems like miller at this point in his career was kind of like bouncing about marvel and dc doing a lot of this kind of like b b list kind of work like maybe getting like little little rungs like a little mini series with paradise lost doing aztec which was co-written but then also didn't kind of like really develop beyond that and did they do did i keep forgetting pj did did, did morrison and miller do work on the flash at this point
0: they did work together on the flash i can't remember exactly when that was happening i think that was after this
1: yeah okay so then morris uh sorry miller taking over the authority after Ellison hitch left that's kind of around 2000 2001ish i want to say was that miller's big big break so to speak? I
0: I would say no I think Miller's big break would have been Ultimate X-Men which would have been, was it 98 or 99?
1: It was around the turn of the millennium wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No you're right that kind of makes sense actually yeah and then of course Ultimates Yeah. yeah and then I think by that point Miller had definitely like cemented his brand if you will which was quite kind of like edgy Confrontational, yeah, kind of stuff. I, I, I feel like Wanted must have come out around this time as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, you know, back back when that stuff was coming out, late teens, early twenties, I was, and so I was like, oh, this is amazing. I love this stuff. Now I revisit a lot of that stuff. I'm like, eh, it's very childish, isn't it? And I've I've taken to sort of describing a lot of Mark Miller's output as a poor man's Garth Ennis. <laughs> in that he goes for the same sort of shock value that Ennis does, but he doesn't have the actual heart behind it. I think that's true. Like, it's very...
1: Um, it's very cold. Yeah. And there's stuff which... And I, I think I'm like you, PJ, because when I was reading The Authority, which I very much loved at the time, when I was reading The Ultimates, which, again, I very much loved, I was like in that kind of like early 20s kind of vibe. And there's almost like a... You almost take a kind of glee at that age in going like, oh, my God, like, they're superheroes, but they swear and they kill people. And that felt very adult at the time Mm -hmm. and very kind of like, oh, this is what comics are. But then also, like, you look back on a lot of it now and a lot of it just seems like a bit needlessly cruel sometimes. Like there's elements of the Ultimates, which are kind of very hard to digest nowadays.
0: Yeah, I think it was really the one that really turned me off him, I think, was Kick-Ass 2, because I'd, I'd been a big fan of the original Kick-Ass, and then Kick-Ass 2 just features a completely unnecessary rape scene, and it's just, this isn't, this is un, you don't need this to tell this story, why is yeah. this here, other than to say, hey, look what I'm doing, and yeah, then I, that's when I sort of started to go back and go, actually, actually, Miller, I don't like a lot of your stuff anymore. Don't get me wrong. He's done some really good. I still love that uh, Amazon JLA issue. I think that's, <laughs> that's brilliant. It's, it's, it's a great Amazon story. I don't know yeah. what to tell you. Yeah. And I think the work he did with Morrison, so that Secret Files and Origins story, Aztec, Scroll Kill Crew, their run on The mm. Flash, those are brilliant. I love those. Um, I still think of his ultimate Marvel work, I know it was with Bendis, but their Ultimate Fantastic Four collaboration, I think, was pretty good. Mm, that's true. Um, so, yeah, he's done good stuff, but I feel like it's, uh, yeah, just not. Oh, I think actually his run on the main Fantastic Four book. I remember that being quite good, actually, because that didn't have the sort of shock value, I'm a dark, edgy, grown-up stuff. And if he actually yeah. sort of tries to put some heart into something, he can do it very well. He just doesn't bother.
1: Which is weird because it's weird then going back to this era of like Wade's, uh, Wade, sorry, of uh, Miller's writing because it's interesting that at this point in his career, he hasn't kind of coalesced into this kind of edgy, gritty, deliberately provocative mode that he kind of settled into for at least a Mm -hmm. decade because there is some charm at this point in his career. Like, it's a little rough around the edges. You can tell, like, he hasn't quite found his voice yet. But at the same time, there are some nice elements. Like, again, that (laughs) Amazo story is... is... Oh, his Sonic the Comic work. I like that, too. (laughs) Did he... Oh, okay, you're testing me now, PJ, because, yes, he did do something on Sonic the Comic, didn't he? He wrote a few Sonic the Hedgehog
0: stories, and he wrote the first two Streets of Rage strips. John, you've been on the podcast. I know, I know, I... (laughs) I'll tell you what. This is. I'm going very off topic now, but
1: I'll tell you something really weird, PJ. Um, I, uh, we, we, you and I are clearly both, you know, familiar with Sonic the comic, mm-hmm. which was the UK branded Sonic comic, uh, yeah, which just went completely in its own direction, which was kind of brilliant and insane. Um, and after the news about the Toxic Crusaders game came out, I ended up chatting to Rich Elson. Yes, indeed, who was the kind of superstar artist on Sonic the Comic back in the day. And, of course, for anyone who wasn't familiar with his work, did work for 2000 AD, he's gone work for Marvel. Yeah. Uh, Kind of inspired like a whole generation of comic nerds in the UK, like PJ and I. And he said, this is a really weird coincidence, he said, because before I started work on Sonic the Comic in 1992, my previous gig was drawing for Fleetway, UK a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic and a Toxic Crusaders comic. What? I know, I know. And, this is, and I was trying to him and I was like, what the hell? Why did, I didn't know this existed. There's no presence of it online. And he's like, yeah, the comic got cancelled after like a few issues. Probably because at that exact point, the Toxic Crusaders brand had been bought out by New Line Cinema. Oh, okay. Which which is a, whole, is a conversation for another day, but hmm. was, is generally believed to be so that they could kill it, so it wouldn't compromise the success of the Turtles. Right. But he said it was 1992, he drew some, you know, issues for for this comic, which he considered to be some of the best work of his career at that point. (laughs) The comic got cancelled, and the publisher, who was based in London, said, you have like two days to come and clear out your artwork, or we're just going to bin it. Oh, my God. I know. This is 1992, pre, prior to email, prior to, you know, physical copies being posted to the publisher. And he's like, my kid has just been born. I can't just drop everything and head over to London to get this artwork. So that artwork just went in the bin. Oh, my. Oh, that's a tragedy. I know. It's got, like, incredible, like, lost lost media. It's, it's, it's fantastically. It's really interesting,
0: actually. Very much oh, off wow. topic,
1: but bizarre. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, Mark Miller, J.R.A. Paradise Miller, Lost. Yes. Paradise we're lost. going off on tangents here i think it's because we both sort of know that there's uh, this is a pretty functional issue um indeed i should say it's it's a, it's a nice cover I do really like the cover. Yeah, it's sort of a, a big hero shot of Zauriel flying in the clouds of heaven behind him and headshots of Superman, Aquaman, Batman, Jean and Green Lantern also appearing in the clouds behind him. Just so you know, this is a JLA tie book. <laughs> I also like the uh, what they've done with the, the logo, which is basically like, you know that kind of
1: weird shield behind mm. the letters JLA? We've just kind of pushed that into the max, basically. To Yeah, <laughs> so there, there's a thematic resonance there.
0: Yeah, yeah, but Zauriel looks great in this image, and this is with his original look before they before he got like that gold armor costume in the pages yes. of JLA. So he's just sort of got some black leggings with then badges wrapped around them and some knee pads, and then a gold sort of what would you call that around his waist, like a fat belt tunic thing? <laughs> yeah, like it a, just a, a crazy sash thing. Um, I've got to say, like
1: I and I'll I'll talk about it when we get into the issue itself, but, like, this feels like... I don't know, there's there's such weird, like, vertigo energy off this. It's kind of bizarre. Mm. Like, it it felt like a slightly outdated mode of character design, but that thing where you just wrap bandages around people... Yes,
0: there was a lot of that in the
1: 90s, wasn't there? Yeah, and I I do like this kind of... It didn't last long with Zariel, but I like this kind of vibe where he's got slightly grey skin and yes. like you know there's there's something kind of scrappy about him in this look and obviously that changes quite a bit when he gets his cool like heaven armor but i kind of yeah i kind of yeah, dig it it's it's, it's it's an odd look and I, and I think it kind of ties more into that we're doing an mtv generation angel thing <laughs> which i think was
0: only lasted a few issues but i feel like that was the original vibe yeah definitely Definitely. And we get the tagline, when heaven finds him, all hell breaks loose. Because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I mean, given, with that in mind, should we dive into
1: it, PJ? Let's do it. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. Well, of course, PJ, we opening San Francisco. Yep. Which, as some people may know, is the City of Angels. What? What?
0: <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, Los Angeles is the City of Angels.
1: Oh, bloody hell. <laughs>
0: It's called Los Angeles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God's sake! <laughs> oh, swing and a miss. Honestly, <laughs> sh- shut up, John, you idiot. <laughs> oh, PJ, take over. I don't deserve to talk.
0: Please. Yeah, so we're, we're basically we're, we're with a a lady walking through town, and she gives a. a a homeless man some money then she breaks a heel then a car drives past and drives her a puddle and splashes her and she has to take a deep breath and count to 10 uh
1: yeah yeah it's, i mean it's, it's pretty succinct i mean it is it, it is nicely illustrated i should say yeah yeah um but yeah so she's having a bad day basically yeah and uh you know so she uh uh you know, she she continues up to her apartment and, uh, you know, we just get these more little kind of like snippets of her life, basically, where, you know, we we hear like her answering machine, you know. So she's she gets a call from the uh, restaurant downstairs from her apartment, which are complaining about the number of cats she has. Uh, she gets a call from her mom, who's kind of, you know, kind of chastising her for not going to church enough, um, which, of course, is you know, fitting PJ, because I think this is going to be a story about angels. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then we realise that she does have a a a bunch of cats, basically. So yep. so we're learning things about her as a person. And,
0: and a bird called Tweety Pie that uh, the vet says it would be lucky if you made it through the night, and it looks like the bird might already be dead.
1: And, um, uh, yeah, and also I think a call from potentially a boyfriend, maybe?
0: Yes, Jerry, her boyfriend, who's doing... A double shift at the hostel for time and a half. And he says, oh, I know you're going to kill me, but, you know, we need the money. And I couldn't, I'd normally say no, but in this case, time and a half, I can't do that. And, uh, yeah, so with all
1: that, she sits down on a beanbag, gets out a book and starts eating. Uh, well, she's got like a bag of donuts next to her. I think we're don- I don't, the only reason I think they're donuts is that, like, this is the setup for a panel or a, a page we've already seen. Yeah uh which was at the end of possibly the greatest two-part JLA story uh Heaven on
0: Earth or Hell Ooh, on Earth. Oh, oh I mean greatest two-part? No, second greatest.
1: I mean it, you got you get electric blue superman on the, on on uh, on the on the moon. Yeah, but come on. Starro Sandman, oh, I know you'd go there. Um it's 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 a close tie uh, it, for it, me at least. It's it yeah, they're you know, it's it's tough. They're both great. But, <laughs> but yeah, so um, it, it's kind of like this is Mark Miller filling in the chronological gaps to get to the point where we have this lady chilling on a beanbag and uh, there's someone at the door, PJ.
0: Yeah, she opens it, shouts, Mary, Mother of God, and then just kneels because an angel is stood in front of her. It's Zauriel. And he says, this, this isn't necessary. And uh, then we get the title and credits. So someone to watch over me, writer Mark Miller, artist Ariel Olivetti, letterer Chris Eliopoulos, colorist Daniel Vozzo, computer SEPS, Heroic Age, associate editor Peter Tomassi, editor Dan Raspler, and there's also special thanks to Juan Bobbio and Marcella Sosa.
1: I think at some point, I'm probably going to have to do my actual research and work out who Heroic Age are or were, because they seem to be on everything at this point.
0: Yeah, I'm not even sure what, Computer separations are. Is it a bit like colour flatting? It might be. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I, yeah. Anyway, this is. Oh gosh, one No, I'm, that's a bad anecdote. I'm not going to bring it up. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's barely an anecdote. But yeah, like um, Zauriel's here, and uh, he's looking resplendent in his
0: uh, kind of funky, funky uniform. Yeah, lots of bandages. But his, his the way he appears here is different to how it happens at the end of the issue of JLA, because she sort of opens the door a crack and he's like, oh, hey, I love you. Whereas this time she opens the door all the way and just starts bowing to him. Yes. So, you know, is did you think Miller had read the issue and just went, well, I'm going to do something different anyway, or just maybe hadn't been given the issue and just had to do his own version of the scene? I'm always curious about that when writers show the same scene and then they're completely different in two different books. Well, let me see, because um, the Heaven on Earth storyline, its publication date
1: was July and August 1997. And we've already established that this came, this got published in,
0: what did we say? December 97.
1: Yes, yes. So is it, oh my God, yeah, I kind of assumed that Miller must have read the original and then taken Artistic Liberties, but maybe they were kind of being written around the same time. Yeah. It's not uncommon.
0: Yeah, definitely. It happens a lot in comics where you'll see a scene in one book and then a couple of months later you'll see the same scene from another point of view and it is it bears no resemblance.
1: And, and come to think of it, as we established in that Wizard magazine JLA special, uh, Morrison's editors in New York could barely get hold of them because they yeah. lived in Glasgow yeah. and it was 1997 but Miller and Morrison both being Scottish they could have just been down the pub like chatting about this stuff you know <laughs> you never know no well yeah exactly but um from that big setup which is classic comics kind of um th- uh was it like a well it's a hook. one two, three, yeah, four-page setup, boom. Uh, We cut to heaven a short while ago. And it's interesting at this point because I think the whole point when Zauriel turns up in that Morrison story is that it's meant to be this weird kind of MTV angel kind of thing. Oh, it's an angel, but for the late 90s. um, And the whole point is that the JLA were dealing with big, wild concepts. So part of the point is like, oh, my God, the JLA are like, wait, you're an angel? Yeah. like, yeah, and now Superman's going to wrestle a Seraphim, which is incredible. <laughs> um, but I, it's interesting that, like, I think at this point they were still kind of calling it heaven. And it's like a soft, not quite a retcon, but I think later on in JLA, particularly when Sandman turns up, they do more refer to it as the Silver City. Yes. Which is a very, that's a direct Gaiman kind of reference.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that I think is always in flux because they sort of they mention god in this issue and i remember in jla they they don't refer to god as god so much as the presence mm.
1: yeah and it's it's interesting isn't it like i i think at this point it almost like didn't matter so much because the jla was just meant to be introducing like really big wild concepts mm. i think it's probably only in like hindsight that editorial and the law keepers of DC try to weave it all together. You know, yeah. you then get to a point where, well, now we're at a stage, well, I say now, five years ago, 10 years ago, I don't know what the current universe is like in the DC space. But, you know, you had a map of the literal multiverse and we knew that the presence was there and the, and the monitor and the Silver City, they were like physical things on a map you could point to. But I guess at this point, it was all just, they're just big concepts. You don't think you meant to think about it too much.
0: Yeah for sure
1: <laughs> um but yeah but sorry pj i'm rambling we're in heaven it looks really kind of weird and wild uh, i like the big kind of just crystalline towers and uh this is kind of like
0: kind of like the prequel to the jla storyline yeah now i'm no, i'll get into that in a few pages time let's just cover this so yeah we get one angel who's talking to zauriel and says, you know, what the hell are you doing? You, why, you, you've been an angel in the Eagle host for more than a million years. Give it another millennium and you'll be considered for elevation. Why are you throwing it away? And Zauriel just doesn't even respond. He just walks into the chamber where the four king angels of the Pax day are present, and they are just faces on a big cube.
1: <laughs>
0: Which, I, we've kind of seen yes. a cube like this
1: before in 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 the pages of JLA but never with I think faces on it
0: I think also it was after this issue wasn't it because it was oh true was that during you definitely see it the Mageddon storyline wasn't it yeah
1: which I think is the most of heaven or the silver city we actually see in
0: in uh in the pages of JLA yeah so uh the one facing Zariel at the moment is from the eagle host like himself uh, this is Herophon. And he's 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 self absorbed a little bit. He says, so you want to leave? Does that mean you're not satisfied with my leadership? And Zarya's so like, this, this has nothing to do with you. I'm I'm in love with a human. <laughs> <laughs> and um oh, who's this PJ?
1: There's a familiar face on another side of the cube. Uh and um it's Lord Asmodel. Uh what? everyone's favourite bull bull headed well kind of bull-headed angel and he's like um, he's bas- he's a little more abrupt he's like oh I don't believe this, Zariel are you honestly telling us that like you'd give up immortality because you've fallen in love with some chattering monkey <laughs> and uh, Zariel kind of grits his teeth and very politely says that would be correct Lord Asmodel
0: yep and then the lion-headed angel whose name we don't get points out this has only happened once before 40 years ago <laughs> that doesn't seem that long ago for these immortal beings but okay and he says, and that angel in question now lies ancient and alone, wallowing in the misery of his own mortality. And and Herophon says to Zariel, is that how you want to end your days? Think carefully. Uh, yeah, and Angxario basically says, Shannon Coin
1: shines brighter at 22 than we do in eternity. Words alone can't describe how much I love this girl, Lord Herophon. Surely you must understand.
0: This was a thing in the nineties, wasn't it? Ancient immortal beings being in love with women who were late teens, early twenties. I know, and this is a thing. Like, as I get as
1: I get older, I'm I'm now like, wait, she's twenty two and she's got an apartment, and yeah. like, you know, she's going... God, I I didn't have my shit together at that age. Like, that's <laughs>
0: incredible. <laughs> yep, yep. But there it is, and <laughs> and then Zariel's just like, yeah, this this is what I want. I'm going to go down to earth and and be with her. And then we get on the next page, he asks, you know, you must understand. And then he says, unfortunately not. And then we get a recap of him crashing to earth in flames. And then this is just, this is what he's been telling Shannon. He's been filling her in about his adventures. I think those pages, they're nice, but they're unnecessary yeah I think we got everything we needed about that sequence from the issues of JLA that introduced Ariel where he told us that and I don't think anyone was picking up this book who hadn't read that those two issues.
1: Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it because it's it's kind of like when you were, you were saying a few minutes ago like did was Miller not aware? Of the exact ending of the previous of the JLA story, or did he just choose to interpret it in a different way? And this has big like adaptation energy. This is kind of like this is your spin-off TV series where you know you're just taking a bit of artistic license to take it in a slightly different direction. Like mm. you know, yeah, it's it's kind of odd that everything that happened in the JLA. Storyline is kind of ha- has kind of happened off-panel or behind us and that sort of thing. Uh, there's something on the next page, which is weird, and we'll get there in a second. But yeah, it's just a it's it, it feels like again, it feels like a slightly different character in a slightly different universe, like a, yes. par- a parallel universe telling about JLA story. But
0: but there we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Zariel says to Shannon that you know everything would have been more simple if Asmodel didn't know that Zariel had overheard his plans. And yeah, he fills us in on Asmodel, that he's the wor- the the bull legion of the worst of the pack's day, and that he planned to replace the presence and succeed where Lucifer failed. And Shannon's like, I don't understand why are you here? <laughs> yeah, why?
1: It's like I don't understand why are you here? Like recounting an imp- a previous adventure to me. This is weird. Um, yeah. and it's also like Zauriel's characterization is quite inconsistent between the two stories yeah like we've talked about before how like when he first comes up in that two-parter he's very irreverent like yes i think the whole point is that like he's not what you expect an angel to be you know as evidenced by the line uh oh i can't remember who asks him but someone says like wow like why did you leave heaven this must have been something really important and he just goes like it's seriously uncool. Don't ask. You know? Yeah. And then he goes to this random woman, I love you. Uh, which is kind of like, it's kind of funny. It's weird. He, he's he's an odd angel. And I can't imagine, this feels like a completely different character. Like, it's not bad, but this, this Zariel feels more kind of formal, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he, he then recaps the actual issues of JLA, and there's a it's, it, there's small panels of Ariel talking to Shannon, but the main event on this page is a massive panel of Electric Blue Superman fighting Asmodele, which just made me think back to when Howard Porter drew Electric Blue Superman wrestling Asmodele, and how that is one of my favourite things I've ever looked at.
1: I know, it's so good. And the only weird thing here is that Batman is present. Yeah, he wasn't in those issues. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's... I guess what they're trying to say, PJ, is that he's always there
0: in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> well, they... Well, they talk about that, don't they, at the end of this issue? But we'll um, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, yeah, and
1: uh, you know, I guess uh, poor Shannon, like she's gone from like having an angel kind of land on her doorstep, and now she's like, you know, the Justice League, as in like this is doubly impressive.
0: Like you're a well-connected angel. And I like I like Zell's response. Yeah, they're nice people. Impressive base they've got up there on the moon. <laughs> um, yeah, it's basically like you know.
1: Uh, They ask if I'd like to join them uh, once I gave you this message. And she's like, what message? And he's like, I want to tell you how much I love you. Which, of course, doubly confirms that this is a different kind of encounter to Mm. how it went in the pages of JLA.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Shannon's response is, I I do really like this, actually, is is, is surprising because she's just, thank God for that. And Zara's like, wait, what do you mean? And she says, well, I thought you were going to say I'd been chosen as the mother of the new messiah. (laughs) which is also quite a thing in the 90s as well yeah yeah. uh yeah and she's basically like
1: you know i mean you're a guardian angel aren't you doesn't mean you kind of love everyone and he's like well i mean like yeah like kind of um you know i've protected a bunch of people over over the course of a million years and everything but um i've never felt about anyone the way i feel about you basically because you know you're a sales assistant and you have a house full of cats and he's like you know i love you more than anything and i've given up immortality to be with you so you know no biggie no pressure or anything like that and uh and then we just see shannon like goes uh what can i say um thank you and then she kind of just very quietly tips over the portrait
0: of her and her boyfriend jerry <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, and then we we turn the page and we get another this is I love this panel. Mm, it's sort of yeah. a shot of heaven and hell like directly below it as its mirror opposite. And it's quite hard to describe. Heaven is all shining and crystalline with golden bridges and pathways and light. And hell is a sort of murky, cloudy swamp with craggy outcrops that reflect the locations of the the crystal buildings and golden bridges and all purples and browns. It's 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 a really cool image. It yes uh, yeah I've got to say it it is very nice indeed and
1: um hey PJ it's everyone's favorite nineties nineties demon with his luscious hair and his incredible cape uh it's
0: uh it's <laughs> Neron <laughs> it is Neron and he's basically saying to Madam haha ha the Justice League beat you up yeah and uh,
1: so yeah kind of like a direct continuation of uh of that JLA story. It's like, what happened to Asmodel after he got kind of banished back to heaven? And I guess he, he popped down to, he popped down to hell to have a, to have a chat with Neron, his, his secret conspirator, -conspirator. co-conspirator.
0: And he does say, you should know better than to remind a King Angel of his failures. (laughs) And I think Neron's a bit, we've all fought the Justice League, mate. (laughs) Yeah, we've all been there. Um, (laughs) Yeah,
1: and uh, Neron's like, uh, well, I mean, what well, what if Zauriel alerts for presence to what we're up to? And he's like, um, yeah. And Asmodeil is like, nah, of course, of course, that's not gonna. He's not. No, nah, it's not, not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. It's all fine. Don't worry about it. Nothing is gonna go wrong, Neron. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, you know, Neron pours a couple of a couple of glasses. Really, you know, which which I kind of like that they're the same. The same design of glass that we saw in JLA when he was drinking like lost souls or whatever. Yeah, so even if Miller hasn't read those two issues, Ariel Olivetti has. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, and and uh, the basically as, as they as they form as they make a toast in hell, uh they're basically like, um, Oh, uh, we should probably do something about Zariel. Um it might be considered a sign of weakness if Zariel isn't punished. So he says Send a scout party of rhyming demons to locate him. I will instruct my angels to prepare a flesh suit for my return to the mortal plane. <laughs> Which I, I think is... Doesn't Zariel say at the end of the JLA story, uh, the, the JLA are like, oh, does that mean it's over? And was like, no, Asmodele will probably be back. He'll try to kill me again. He'll probably use a flesh suit next time. Uh, it'll all get settled in the heavenly courts and nothing will go. It'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And uh, Asmodele also specifically says, send Etrigan for now. So I guess we know who's coming. And I'm always happy to see Etrigan.
1: It's always like it's a countdown to, hello, everyone. This is a DC storyline that touches upon hell. And in a matter of minutes, Etrigan will be here. Because he's everyone's favourite demon, basically.
0: I do find there's a, a, a weird thing with Etrigan at this point where... Obviously, Etrigan started as a Jack Kirby character. He was the protagonist of his own book. And it's very unpredictable at this time in DC Comics when he appears as to whether he will be a good guy or a bad guy. Yes, You, yes. you never really know which Etrigan you're going to get. And I quite like that. Like, it's only a couple of years after this that um, Kevin Smith's Green Arrow run starts and Etrigan is a main Character in the first story arc, Etrigan and Batman are both major guest stars in that, and Etrigan is very much on the hero side in that story. Yes, um, which I love. But you know, in this one, he's he's here working with the villains.
1: Um, and I recently read um the Lock and Key storyline, uh, the Golden Age, which has a crossover with the universe of the Sandman.
0: Oh, I haven't read that yet. I've read the whole lock and key main run, but I haven't read the Sandman crossover, which I Ex- really should check out. It
1: is actually very good. And PJ, you better believe there's a lot of etrigan
0: in it. Oh well now I just, that makes me want to read it even more. Yeah. It is it is very good, actually, I should say. Um so yeah, so brace yourself, folks. We're gonna get uh, we're gonna get plenty of etrigan here. And I'll tell you now. I think one one thing I'm going to praise Miller for, he's very good at writing Etrigan's rhyming dialogue. <laughs> I think the other times we've seen Etrigan in when we've been covering comics he's appeared in, not many, but I feel like the writers who have written him that we've covered so far haven't really got a handle on the rhyming. Miller's really <laughs> good at it.
1: Oh, of course. He was in Final Night, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not his best appearance. No. Um, but uh, we cut back to San Francisco, um, the City of Angels. And uh we have uh Shannon and Zariel in the apartment again. And uh uh yeah, Zariel appears to have brought Tweety
0: Pie back to life. Yeah. And then he just lets him go out the window saying, Oh, he wants to take care of himself now. Uh, that's some you know, that's some real shade being thrown. <laughs> this bird, you killed it, it doesn't like you anymore. We're just gonna set it free, all right?
1: Um yeah, and, uh, you know, Shannon, I guess, has had a pretty incredible afternoon so far. And she's like, okay, so an angel's turned up. He says he loves me. Uh, he, the angel knows for JLA, so he's a pretty cool guy. Uh, he just brought my bird back to life. Uh, but also, like, Zariel, like, you, if you've been... Kind of like watching over me my entire life. You must know that like I'm kind of seeing somebody right now. You know this might be a little awkward. Um, and Zariel conveniently doesn't answer because he can smell something. Whips out his flaming sword, and then we get a
0: splash page of Etrigan bursting through the wall. Does Zariel's sword sort of work like a lightsaber? Like he just turns it on and the phew, the fire comes out. Yes. Cool. But also. In
1: the Crisis Times Five storyline, there is a panel where he is resting on it. Oh yeah, <laughs> like it's, like it, maybe it's solid. I, I don't know, but I guess I don't know where he keeps it when it isn't burning. I haven't it's a seen solid it. Solid fire
0: lightsaber.
1: Basically, yes. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Etrigan uh, uh, bursts through the wall, looking suitably demonic, I should say.
0: I think Olivetti, my favourite thing he draws in this issue is Etrigan. I think he does a stunning Etrigan. He's got uh, uh, really big spiky bangles around
1: his wrists, which is a nice touch. And is the implication that like he smells of sulphur?
0: Is that yes. the idea? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. And Zariel just says Etrigan's here. And... Yeah, you know here, i'm just going to read it out the first thing etrigan says is uh, you address me by my name sir for this you have my gratitude it's rare this demon meets an angel with undogmatic attitude come on that's brilliant <laughs> yeah
1: it's it's um that i i i can't i can't skip to that that's
0: very good that's very good <laughs> and that's the sort of that's the level of dialogue miller gives etrigan throughout this issue it, it, i i think he he gets this how to do Etrigan dialogue and you know
1: cannot fault it and uh i guess i like the fact that etrigan always seems to be enjoying his work mm-hmm. whether he's being a good guy or a bad guy and um i'm also reminded of how uh, the um, the ancient ones the three the three ancient demons that neron gave the moon to oh yes one of them who's rasked, I want to say one of them was trying to become a rhymer I wasn't very good at it yeah <laughs> should have brought yeah. Miller in basically
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, Etrigan starts breathing fire at Zauriel Zauriel blocks it with a coffee table and Etrigan smacks him in the face <laughs> And then there's just this brilliant panel of Shannon smacking Etrigan in the back of the head with what I think is her television. It's her it's her it's late 90s television people. Yeah. But the look of wait, what just happened on Etrigan's face is superb. <laughs> Etrigan is such a like visually Etrigan is
1: such a weird and wonderful thing to look at. Like he's he's so bizarre as a as a creature. Mm. Even fact he's kind of wearing a kind of wearing a superhero costume.
0: Well, he is a very Kirby design and I think it's never a good idea to try and mess too much with Kirby designs because you'll yeah. never top it. So artists just sort of try and put their slight spin on it with I think his his you know his wrist bands are a little bit spikier here. There's a few more tears in his costume, but it's still very much the classic Kirby demon. There's a um
1: in Multiversity, as uh, another Morrison penned series, you briefly see a universe where it's uh, the universe is overrun by vampires. I want to say, hmm. and there is a quote-unquote Justice League, which is made up of all manner of like supernatural heroes. Like yeah. I think, I think Ragman is there, and uh, there is a version of Jason Blood. I want to say who becomes Etrigan, but Etrigan is called the super demon in that universe. (laughs) And he kind of has an S on his chest, like kind of looks like Superman crossed with Etrigan. Oh, nice. Which is quite a weird little thing.
0: It's kind of fun. Uh, But yeah, so uh, Etrigan is not phased by having a TV smashed over his head, PJ. Yeah, he just turns around and basically, he rhymes it, but he says, I'm going to kill you now. And then... (laughs) Zariel just says Etrigan, and the next shot is Etrigan being smashed out of a wall into the streets. And then Zariel tells Shannon to get out of here, get as far away as she can. And she says, well, what about you? And Zariel flies out of the building and says, don't worry about me. I'm a specialist in this line of work. And, uh, yeah, so the battle
1: takes to the kind of evening skies through the city. So Zariel's like, you know, kind of flying between skyscrapers trying to find Etrigan. Uh, can't find him. Suddenly, Etrigan is on top of him, riding him like a like a sky horse, and um, smashes his face into the side of a building. uh
0: Then, kind of smashes him into a car. All while rhyming, doing some fine. I'm, I'm f- going to read his rhymes again on this page because I love them. So go, go for it, PJ. Uh, yeah, Zariel says, "What are you doing here, you fool?" And Etrigan says, "Only stopping for a moment to smile at your fall." They say angels who renounce their god are happiest of all. Although, in truth, I'm also here for another major reason, to tear out your living heart while others talk of treason. We Superb. Then, uh, we then smash into a building, which I,
1: I think it's like a museum. Yeah, yeah, it looks no, like it. A... There's,
0: this, like, statues.
1: No, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a mausoleum, isn't it? It's oh, like yeah, a... yeah, they're, they're very much
0: godly, angelic statues, and there are those those drawers that people's remains get put in. Yeah, and so I guess it's, it's you know, visually fitting that uh, now an angel
1: and a demon are battling here. And um, Zario's major point is that, like, there is no point in anyone coming here trying to kill me. I thought we have it settled. I wasn't going to tell the president. I wasn't going to tattle to dad, basically, on yeah. what Asmodel was doing. Yeah. Uh, but again, that was perhaps his undoing, because he somehow, I don't know, it's a weird it's a weird slight in i don't know it doesn't quite make sense with how the jla story ended but like
0: um but there we go anyway so that that's just the status quo as it is now like yeah yeah but etrigan basically says you know he refers to the devil as old nick which i love sorry lucifer as old nick which yeah great i love it (laughs) when they call him that Um, and how he almost won, but Asmodel's uprising is going to be the last, and Zariel gets angry at that, swipes with his sword and cuts off the head of the statue of St. Michael as the Etrigan dashes out the way, and then Zariel apologises to the statue.
1: So uh, Zariel keeps kind of swinging his cool flaming sword, which looks really good on this page, I have to say, uh, at uh, at, at Etrigan, just keeps beheading statues because Etrigan keeps kind of dodging, and... um you know, he's basically saying to Etrigan, well, look, I mean, why are you helping out Etrigan? Because if this plan comes to fruition, then, you know, the Blessed and the Damned are going to be, you know, reunited. So how will that be fun for you? Because you enjoy pain and misery. Uh, And then we get just a really cool shot of Etrigan kind of like Batmanning the hell
0: out of it on top of a, a, like a gravestone or something. He he just looks incredible here. Yeah, it's... it's Again, brilliant work on Etrigan. And as he sort of goes, Ah oh well, Etrigan admires your style. Even he concedes to greater craftiness every once in a while. So yes, Zariel manages to convince him that basically like, if
1: you don't kill me, you will be uh, effectively being a thorn in the side of Asmodel. And wouldn't that just be more kind of fun and mischievous and evil? So maybe you should do that instead.
0: Yeah. And then he's, he basically tells Etrigan to just leave because before he loses his temper, because Etrigan's very presence in the shadow of a church is a blasphemy.
1: And Etrigan oh, yes. goes, yeah,
0: I'll leave. It's fine. I'm amused by you, though. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, and then, you know, kind of just leaves Zauriel with a few haunting words, basically saying that, like, you know, you've given up a lot, basically, you know, so you know, you're, you're losing feathers from your wings, blah, 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 blah. What are you are going to lose next? Your immortality? Your status? So yeah, just kind of like getting under his skin a little bit, basically. Like, going,
0: oh, did you make the right choice? Mm, we'll mm-hmm. never know. And then we cut to the
1: moon and the Whoa. JLA
0: Watchtower. <laughs> and I'm glad, because when see, I first read this whole series a, a few months ago, I can't remember when, when I did it, just so we could have some context for some things, and when I did, I was like, I don't know if it's called JLA Paradise Lost, but is it just a Zariel story? Do the JLA actually appear? But no, here we are on the Watchtower with the Martian Manhunter.
1: And it's very much a, like, the tower. I think Ariel Olivetti has, done, uh, has gone out of their way to almost, like, directly mirror the look of the tower from, I think, the end of um, New World Order. Mm, yeah, like very it's much. It's a very, very, very faithful adaptation of it. Yeah, um, but the only person home is uh, Jean, and he's, uh, he's he's on monitor duty.
0: Yeah, but then there's a there's a hull breach in the kitchen area, and so Jean puts up standard procedure: temporary airlock around the cavity, and says, "Let's see who we're dealing with here." As a sinister child just walks into the monitor womb, and Jean goes, "And you are," and the <laughs> child says, Asmodel of course. Surely you haven't forgotten already?" And then just smacks Jean to the floor um yeah and uh this, this
1: this kind of pretentious little child is 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 um apparently ungodly strong and is going like uh, oh you're afraid now aren't you alien you have every reason to be afraid what is it you Martians have no natural defense against is it flame I can never remember and uh and then and then I guess kind of like fire appears yeah
0: it, yeah he just kind of makes fire, I think. And it weakens Jean, who says, you can't be Asmodele. Asmodele's 10 feet tall. You're just a child, says the shapeshifter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and I guess just to prove that Asmodele is very petty, I guess mm. he went out of his way just to... Because I guess... It's funny, isn't it? Like, John, Jean, Jean inconven, inconvenienced him for a good while, but, like, he went out of his way to get revenge on Jean when, I guess, like, Superman... Probably gave him a harder time.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just petty. (laughs) (laughs) And he even says there's no Superman to save you now. Yeah, and then uh,
1: punches Jean out of the side of the watchtower. And, yeah, like, leaves him on the surface of the moon. Like, he's like, uh, he goes, oh, having trouble breathing? That's a shame. I'm sure the distress signal I can see winking on the watchtower will bring the others running to your rescue. In fact, I'm counting on it. I want the monkeys out of the way.
0: Yeah. He says, this is private business. This is between me and Zauriel now, as he then just flies off towards the Earth, leaving Jean lying on the surface of the moon. And then we get to be continued. I'm going to say, it's not a great plan, because when Superman turns up, all he has to do is take Jean inside, and then he's rescued him. Yes. It's not going to take him a long time to, to save Jean from this one.
1: No, indeed. And uh, given that in his flesh suit, Asmodel can kind of, as clearly can generate fire, you know, I, I, I guess kind of like leaving Jean to suffocate is, I don't know, maybe like burning him a bit more would be a better. Anyway, it, 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 it it's fine. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, a little bit of an abrupt ending, but it's an ending, I suppose.
0: Yeah. And then we we get a page which is just like a recap of the story so far, telling us again what happened in those two issues of JLA, uh, where it does say, uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, the Martian Manhunter, Green Lantern, the Flash, Aquaman and Zauriel save the day. The Batman didn't actually appear in the story, but we're pretty sure he pulled his weight off camera somewhere. (laughs) I don't know, a weird, a weird addition, perhaps. And, and then they just say, yeah, this miniseries is is basically wrapping up the loose ends from that story and telling you what Zauriel did next. But again, like, surely you've already bought it at this point.
1: Like, I don't know, it, it, it's a weird summary to have at the end, when also this issue has kind of been, like, nothing but summary.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a weird issue, isn't it? Because all those recap pages do just feel unnecessary, and it also... I prefer the version at the end of JLA. It's much shorter and simpler and has a slightly weirder Zauriel, which I like. Mm. But then you get all the cool stuff with Etrigan, which I I think that's that's my highlight of the issue for me is the Etrigan stuff. I think that's brilliant, the writing and the art.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's also a moment where the issue kind of starts being its own thing. Yes. Uh, Because it's a lot of recap. I I should say, I don't hate it at all. No, not at all. No, um I, it's a perfectly fine perfectly fine little story. It's just um it's just a bit of an oddity, really, isn't it? Like it it kind of it's kind of weird that this was a story that needed telling, I suppose.
0: It's it feels like this issue is is recap then set up, and it's mm. very functional. So, recaps the Zariel issues we've had before, sets up the next two issues of this series, and also involves a cool fight with Etrigan while it does that. The
1: um I didn't do a very good job of uh vocalizing this earlier, but I in a weird way I do get big Vertigo energy off this story. Because mm. I can think of a few it's obviously a bit later than that, being the late nineties, but there was a vibe among a lot of like the uh, big stuff coming out of the eighties from Vertigo, which was like a supernatural dude a normal woman, and then kind of like a road trip across America. Yeah. So like, uh, I don't know, kind of like um, Shade for Changing Man, uh, the ending of Kid Eternity kind of gets that vibe. Maybe kind of Preacher as well, although that wasn't Vertigo. Was that Vertigo? That was Vertigo, yeah. That was Vertigo, yeah. So I'd go, it's not that, and I'm not doing a very good job of describing this feeling, but like, this feels like superhero adjacent in the way that like a lot of 90 early 90s content was yeah uh yeah this is this is like the parallel universe vertigo spin-off of that jla story and i could see in an alternate timeline this becoming like an 80 issue run of just <laughs> like zauriel going on weird supernatural adventures throughout america or something like that
0: Like a fallen angel is like an occult detective thing, traveling America or or what have you. Yeah, there's definitely room for story in there.
1: Well, I guess, what do you think they were hoping from this? Because obviously it's a mini series, and we're going to cover it completely. And there's obviously more to come, which we will touch upon. But like, do you think they were going, oh, we'll... Give Zauriel the Aztec treatment, and then Zauriel will become a hot new property, and it'll get like an ongoing series. Or was it just like it's a fun one-and-done little mini series? And why not make it? I don't know. I,
0: I think there's an element of they knew that at this point that Morrison was going to shake up the team and bring mm. in all these new members, of which Zauriel was going to be one. So they perhaps wanted to keep his profile slightly higher have people aware, remember this character is around, um, there's more story to tell with him from the end of, of those two issues of JLA mm-hmm. so that it would get people interested in him and then when he did join the JLA people go oh yeah I remember that character. I don't know how successful that was, I don't know how well this miniseries did uh, as I say I wasn't even aware it existed until recently, I don't think it's ever been collected in, in any kind of, of trade paperback collection but yeah, I'm guessing that was the goal with it, for sure. It's certainly, um, for a
1: kind of mostly forgotten little story, uh, it, it, it's pretty all right. Like, it's pretty good. Yeah. Like, um, it. it's kind of, it, it has a charm and a style, I think a lot of which
0: comes from the artwork, which I think is quite nice. Yeah, um, yeah it's a curious one. I don't know how much of a push DC did on, on promoting it as well, to be honest, at the time. Because, as I say, I don't remember ever hearing about it. <laughs>
1: no, and and this is the thing as well. Like, if they were kind of banking on... You know, this is the thing. Like, how how does this come about? Is it like Morrison is revamping the JLA and suddenly a lot of eyes are on that series again? It's becoming a big deal for DC. So does somebody at DC Editorial go this Morrison and everything he touches, everything they touch is like, is, is a hot property right now. What can we expand? What can we spin off? What can we kind of, you know, how can we ride that popularity? So were they going, Zariel is the breakout hit of late 1997. Let's get a series out. Or do you think it was more like, I don't know, Mark Miller or Morrison or both going, hey, DC editorial, we've got a fun little idea for a, like a spin-off story with this character do you reckon we could do it an editorial going like oh why the hell not yeah go for it
0: it wouldn't surprise me if the initial idea was that morrison would write this series but that they just found they didn't really have the time so maybe they suggested that that miller do it you know maybe being so. that they were close and they'd already worked together on uh on some jla stuff but yeah, it's hard to find much information about this miniseries online. I'm only doing a cursory Google at the moment, but certainly the DC Wiki doesn't give you much on it. No. Well, it's, I mean, sadly, I mean, it's
1: almost the poster child for a non-consequential story, like, mm. in in a, in a weird way, because Zareel turns up, you know, in the latter days of JLA, um, and while there's a bit of continuity with this series... This miniseries clearly, you didn't need to read this miniseries. I never read this. I never read it. You never read it. Mm. You're just going to take it as standard. When Zariel comes up again, and I mean, like, God, how many reboots has the DC universe been through since then? Like, Zariel's not really an A-lister, so it almost like you
0: know, he's not even really a B-lister, to be honest.
1: No, it's kind of doomed to uh, doomed to obscurity, really.
0: Yeah, any website I click on. That says I'm going to tell you about Paradise Lost. It just gives you the creative team and says it's a continuation of this story in JLA. Nothing didn't else.
1: You, didn't you say
0: um,
1: because you're, you're quite knowledgeable in this area that there are there are kind of just issues around Hawkman, you know, and like the <laughs> continuity and, and where the hell he sits in it.
0: Yeah, this this was the time when DC weren't touching Hawkman with a barge pole, except in Elseworld stories, because his continuity was such a mess. And this was before Jeff Johns came in and sort of rebooted and revamped Hawkman and then you were allowed to use him again. Because I remember in one of the interviews, in one of the Wizard issues, Morrison said that Zauriel, he was always going to be this angel, but he was going to take the codename Hawkman and then DC Ah, wouldn't let them do that. Ah, interesting. But you do get that little moment in JLA where Aquaman mistakes Zauriel for Hawkman and says Katar. Which is what I was wondering whether like if if it wasn't a case of
1: if it wasn't DC or Morrison or Miller or whoever going, we've we're 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 investing heavily in Zauriel because we think he's gonna be a breakout character. Or maybe it was more like we need to elevate this character because Zauriel is now going to fill the gap of Hawkman. Like, you know, we need there's a hawk shaped hole in our
0: publishing model and we need to fill it. I mean, at the you know, at the most basic level Morrison wanted a winged character on the league. Hawkman wasn't available. I don't think you could really use Hawk Girl either. So Morrison made their own. Yeah.
1: The again, I I, I really like Zariel. I've always liked Zariel as a character. Hmm. Um, we've got this weird. We we've talked about it on the on air before, but it's this weird thing that like if you just read the main JLA series there are really two Zariels. Like, yeah. his personality change between, like, books two and book four. He might as well be a different character. Yeah. I like I like both those characters. <laughs> but, again, Zariel goes from being, like, as I keep saying, like, an MTV generation angel where he's very sarcastic and irreverent and every- nothing you'd expect an angel to be, and then coming, just becoming, like, just like a pretty decent, reliable guy. Yeah. You know, I really like Zauriel in the later books, but he's basically just the guy who's always doing monitor duty and hanging out
0: with Plastic Man. I I want to say issues two and three of this series, when I read it, do go some way towards explaining that. But, you know, as you said, issue one, it feels like a completely different Zauriel again anyway. so Now now we have the third Zauriel, basically. (laughs) the, The Mark Miller Zauriel.
1: And none of it's bad. No, like we 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 do occasionally give Mark Miller a hard time, but like yes, this, this we is did at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> yeah, and, and and you know maybe a lot of it's deserved, but like um,
0: this isn't bad at all. It's just kind of like okay, yeah, that's fine. I'd call it functional. It does what it needs to do. It does it well enough. It's not a classic, but you know if you want more Zauriel, if you want more JLA of this era, then you know doesn't hurt to go here.
1: No, exactly. I I mean. You know, I when we when we did Final Nights, uh, there are elements in that which I found, um, you know, maybe a little underwhelming. You know, where hmm. I felt a little perhaps unsatisfied. Um, there's also stuff to like in it, um, but with Paradise Lost, it's like I I I don't get that far. Like I'm I'm not like, oh, this is disappointing in any way. It's it's perfectly fun, and 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 if you're a big fan of the series, uh, as we are clearly because we're doing this podcast, uh, it's a nice little addition to it. It's nice to find this lost media.
0: Yeah, and I'd say as well that it gives you more Asmodel. And Asmodel was a fun villain. And it's, you know, he'd come back again in Day of Judgment. Uh, but it's, it's just nice to, because he was a challenge for the JLA. Mm. And gives you that really cool Superman moment. So it's nice to have that bad guy have another story with him. And I, 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 should say it's a, it's a nice and weird idea
1: to have Asmodel now be in the body of a child. Mm. That's that's a little unusual. We've not really seen much like that before.
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's creepy. Yeah. I think Olivetti's art on that sequence with Jean, when when Asmodele first appears, is is really creepy. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 a new visual as well. Like the idea of
1: like this this childlike body. Apparently, just having like Superman level strength. It's, yes. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Um, I have I have read this entire miniseries in preparation, but I'm I'm but that was a few months ago now, and I'm looking forward to revisiting the following chapters.
0: Yeah, I read the whole thing longer ago, <laughs> 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 and reread issue one last night. And yeah, I am I'm also looking forward to reading issues two and three. I'm going to say now I'm more excited by what we're looking at afterwards because it's one of my favourite series from the era uh, that wasn't the main JLA book but uh, but yeah this is this is a fun thing to come back to. Yes
1: and our next project is going to be very interesting to me because I've never read it.
0: It's going to yeah. be a complete completely new experience for me so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to that as well. I'm going to say it's been a number of years since I read it. I'm really hoping I haven't raised it up in my memory and it doesn't hold up as well as I would like <laughs> but uh, yeah certainly back in the day it was a favourite of mine. Well, with that in mind, PJ, have we said everything we could
1: possibly
0: say about uh, JLA Paradise Lost? I think maybe we have. I feel like we might have more to say when we get to issues two and three. But, you know, I'm surprised we got this much out of issue one, to be honest.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's been fun. I think clearly we needed this. Like we needed a gentle reintroduction. Yeah. uh, I should say, and this is a really weird thing. Uh. I do get a weird nostalgia seeing the old DC logo on the cover. Same. Of the, yeah, this is a. I. Yeah, they've changed logos so many times. Like this is a fun. This is a fun era. I think. Yes,
0: agreed. Agreed, and I think this is also isn't this one of those rare occasions where we're both reading this issue digitally? Yes, indeed. Um, via the
1: majestic Kindle app. Yeah. yeah. Which I think, as we've established on air, is better than the Comicsology app.
0: Yes. <laughs> Cuz
1: god. Oh, that's a thing as well. I mean, this is this is very much off topic as well, but um with, you know, as Comixology being bought by Amazon, Comixology Submit, which was a big indie platform being shut down, uh and I think in recent months, this may have been while well, you were you were on paternity leave, PJ. Um hmm. I think Amazon laid off a bunch of Comixology staff.
0: Oh, I did see something about that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we're at this kind of point where it's like they've they bought the technology for the guided view. They've rolled it into uh, they've rolled it into Kindle Direct Publishing, and now they've laid off a bunch of the original Comicsology staff. And it's the, like they just killed
0: Comicsology. They just yeah. took it behind a shed and murdered it. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did they buy it just to destroy it, basically. Yes, they did.
1: Ah. <sighs> Well, fun times. It was good while it lasted, I suppose. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Uh, well, PJ, with that in mind, is there anything you'd like to shout about? Is there anything you'd like to draw attention to?
0: Uh, well, uh, Measure of a Fan is also coming back. Uh, that also took a break. We didn't even have fill-in episodes for that. That's just been gone for six weeks. But we have just started up recording again. That will be recording very short, uh, releasing sorry, very shortly. And I feel like we should also mention that just by coincidence we see this episode's coming out in april in april separately but we are both guest starring on the horror hangout podcast yes yeah i uh, this is really cool
1: i i'd uh, i'd obviously found out that i was guest starring on it because it's, it's me and this is my body and the things i do with it i was very delighted to see that you were on it pj this is Same. very very cool indeed i
0: think you're like the week before me so yes yeah <laughs> i'm uh i'm warming them up i'm, I'm your warm-up act basically yeah yeah but that's very exciting i'm really looking forward to guest starring on that it's a friend of the show andy conduit turner is, is one of the presenters uh he's a lovely guy and i'm very excited nice to be talking uh horror movies with him shortly Yeah, it's really cool indeed. And you're going to be talking about Moontrap? A film called Moonshot. That is all I can tell you about it. I hadn't even heard of the film until Andy gave me a list of films and said, choose one. And this one, when I looked into them, seemed like the silliest. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, I I was thinking, like, is there some kind of, like, you know, PJ's the space guy because he gets Star Trek. There's an element of that. It was a list of of space sci-fi horror films, yeah. Oh, nice. Nice, that's nice. Well and I will be uh, I will be having the, the honor of talking about uh, the Toxic Avenger
0: <laughs> and all
1: things kind of trauma related, along with uh, Sam, aka Freak Zone Games, who is the lead developer of the Toxic Crusaders game. So uh, yes, I, I, I'm gonna have to do my homework a bit because uh, while I've I did all my trauma research for, for the game, I obviously spent a lot of time in the cartoon space, mm. uh, and I think uh, I want to really just bone up on um, <laughs> on the actual kind of live action horrific stuff because that's what <laughs> that's what we're here for, basically.
0: I'm sure you said that in your uh, on on one of your fill-in episodes, one of your long cons, that uh, Geist is in the game. It is. Yeah, I've seen that one. <laughs> that was a yeah. film. One uh, of my friends is in that film. Really? Yeah, she's she's just one of the. Uh, extras in like the protester scenes, and then at the end when you have that weird dance sequence, she's one of the key dancers in that. But yeah, she moved over to the states and started working for Troma and Lloyd Kaufman, so she was on set and behind working behind the scenes on *Poultrygeist* and ended up being in it as well.
1: Seriously, God, it's such a small world. Like, yeah, this has been one of the wild things in kind of like ever since we announced the game. It's like the Troma crowd, like everyone's coming out the woodwork and like there's so many like random connections or just random you know like people in the comics world who are big into troma or people in troma who are big into comics and and yeah it's just so many like random it's like six degrees of separation it's like everyone's connected in some way it's bizarre (laughs) well that's that's gonna be exciting so yes if if you want to hear your beloved uh hosts uh kind of uh, uh waxing lyrical on uh on another podcast do check out the horror hangout podcast uh, which is run by some lovely people yes
0: yeah and it's a good podcast it's well worth a listen definitely you check it out if you like horror films there's no reason not to um
1: if I if I could do a little shout out I should say that uh I am currently running a Kickstarter for the comic writers journal
0: you always seem to be running a Kickstarter
1: I know this is well, <laughs> well, you know, so this is, this is how some of us, uh, you know, this is my baby PJ, this is my paper baby, um, <laughs> which uh, doesn't keep me up quite as much, as much as yours does. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, last year we did the, uh, 10 year anniversary of afterlife Inc, uh, which was, uh, quite a large, uh, monstrous Kickstarter. Uh, and this one was intentionally much smaller, much more manageable. And um we launched on we launched a week ago at the time of release, and uh we've had an absolutely incredible seven seven days. Like uh we're doing it's going really well, and that's thanks to the generosity of wonderful backers, including people like PJ. You're very Hello nice, You're a very nice person. <laughs> and uh uh yeah, so that will currently be running. So I don't know if you've ever wanted to write a comic, um, you can check out the kickstarter because it's a fun little customizable journal to help you plan out your stories and uh yeah we've had a good week it's going it's going quite well so that's ignore
0: all the horror talk from the beginning of the episode about how being an indie creator in the uk now (laughs) (laughs) oh comics are great pj (laughs) they're still fun to make comics are great um
1: it's a surefire way to get very rich um Everyone's doing really well off the back of him and you should totally make more comics. There we go. (laughs) Um, If we've reached that point in the episode, I should say uh, a massive thank you to Gav Mitchell for drawing our incredible cover artwork.
0: Uh, And another massive thank you to Elliot Red for composing and performing our amazing theme, tune, Justice.
1: And if you enjoy hearing PJ and I talk, uh, you can find us on social media. Our links are in the episode description. So PJ... um, Is that really it? Is there anything else to say?
0: I think we're good. I think we're done.
1: Well, it's good to have you back anyway. It's Um, good to be back. With that in mind, PJ, once again, could you please see us off in your own unique fashion?
0: I would, but I've got to go change Dirty Nappy.